Well, uh, Pastor Stu was planning on, on being here today and preaching, and uh, he's, he's really been struggling with back pain this week. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, maybe you don't know, but uh, one thing that I've observed about Pastor Stu and working with him this last year is, is he's certainly uh, very conscientious, very faithful with his, his uh, church duties. And you know he wouldn't take a, a Sunday off um, just for some minor discomfort. So uh, I certainly would encourage you to keep him in your prayers. Um, so he did call me yesterday and asked me if I'd be willing to fill in. And, and uh, so uh, I'll be sharing a few thoughts. They're not probably as fully developed as uh, uh, some of the, the messages that, that uh, hopefully that I give. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but hopefully it will lead into some meaningful uh, reflection. I'll be working uh, from Philippians chapter 2, the same text that Stu was pa- planning to preach on. But why don't we just lift up our pastor in prayer and uh, pray that God would... Uh, open our ears that we could hear from him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what what a privilege we have uh, knowing who you are, that you're a God, uh, as we read earlier, that that, uh, took on flesh. Uh, Not a God that's far away, but a God who is near, who is present, who has, has come and moved into our neighborhood, dwelt among us. And as we uh, were singing just, just in that last song, we do pray that um, that as we uh, gather this morning, that as you have drawn near to us, that we would draw near to you, that, that your spirit would fill uh, every longing heart. It is our desire that you would um, speak to us, that, that you would uh, uh, speak to our hearts, that you would minister to our need, that you'd... Um, that Christmas wouldn't just be a story or a holiday, but it would be a reality in our hearts. That the God who has drawn close to us uh, would would um, guide our thoughts and our actions, bring us hope and healing. Uh, with that in mind, we do pray for our pastor. We thank you for, for Stuart, and we, we pray that uh, in the midst of his discomfort, that this morning you'd grant him rest, that you'd bring a, a release to... Um, that area of pain and soreness, that you'd grant him your peace and bring healing to him. Uh, we thank you for him. We just pray your blessing upon his family uh, this season, and especially uh, right now, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Pastor Stu did introduce our, our Advent theme uh, last week, and uh, we chose a little bit of an atypical Advent passage, but uh, we're working through this season. The focus is, is from Matthew chapter 25, uh, specifically verses 31 to 46, which focus on the second coming of Christ, the day of the Lord, when Christ returns. You could argue that that passage contains Jesus' wish list. You know, at Christmas as a child, uh, perhaps you, we, children, they, they put together a wish list, things they want for the Christmas seasons, things that you want from Santa Claus. Uh, now, I'm a grown adult, but, but I still get asked. I, I still got asked a couple times this year from my family, what do you want for Christmas? We have our wish list, don't we? It's a little different as, as an adult. Priorities change. And, and as a kid, I would have asked for some video game uh, system. But uh, now when I'm asked, what do you want? Uh, those are questions are a little harder. You can't just ask someone, well, could you contribute to my mortgage? That doesn't really work. Um, but we do have our wish list. 
Uh, it's actually our, our wish list, the consumption, the consumerism that, that gives Christmas a bad name, that invites criticism of the season. Uh, it, it's actually counterintuitive to uh, when you think of what the season is all about, uh, to think that, that we can turn it inwards on ourselves. Uh, it's a holiday that should revolve around the self-giving, sacrificial love of God uh, demonstrated in Jesus Christ. But it can become focused on our wish list. Uh, I think I once shared about this in church, and I, I actually uh, must have pushed a little bit too hard because uh, someone after the, the service, they actually thought that I was suggesting we shouldn't give gifts to one another, that there's something wrong about giving and receiving gifts, uh, that there's nothing wrong with giving and receiving gifts. In fact, uh, giving gifts do, can uh, reflect the heart and the character of God, who delights to give gifts to his children, to provide and bless his children. Um, last week, as we were decorating, we were gathered uh, to decorate, and I prepared a devotion that I did, didn't end up giving, but uh, I, I had, was going to reflect on, on some of the, uh, the Christmas traditions that we have, the, the decorations and the rationale behind them. And uh, perhaps some of you know the, some of the traditions behind gift-giving, at, at least some of uh, uh, what we, we say inspire the tradition of, of giving gift. And... and uh, we look back to St. Nicholas, uh, the 4th century bishop of Myra. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, but the bishop, uh, uh, St. Nicholas, was uh, a person of means. He, he was a person who had uh, wealth. I don't know if it was just the, the kind of the diocese, the, the, you know, the region, uh, the, the, the money that the church um, had that, that there was some funds, or if it was personal funds, I'm not sure. But, but the bishop, uh, began to anonymously give gifts. And, uh, specifically, he added on his heart to, to help young people who are in need. And, uh, the tradition says that, uh, there, there were, uh, young women who couldn't get married because they didn't have, uh, a dowry. And the bishop would anonymously provide for these young ladies with uh, resources so that they could have a dowry and they could get married. And uh, tradition was that uh, two nights in a row, there was, uh, there was a, a family with three young daughters, and two nights in a row they had received a gift down the chimney, uh, an anonymous gift of uh, for money for the dowry. And so the father was suspicious who's leaving this money and decided that he was going to set up a vigil and wait on the third night and find out who, who was coming and leaving this money. And actually that's even the, 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 the chimney and, and the stockings. They would, they put a stocking in the chimney to, to collect the gift. I don't know if it's true or if it's just tradition, but on the third night, the, the father set up a vigil and he caught uh, St. Nicholas. And, and so from that time on, anonymous gifts were, were often attributed to, to St. Nicholas. And, and uh, so that's some of the, the story. But his name survives today as the embodiment, human embodiment of uh, unselfish giving. Well, what's on Jesus' wish list? What's a gift fit for a king? We read Matthew 25 last week. I'm not going to read that passage again. But Jesus' words in Matthew 25, uh, when he separates the sheep and the goats, uh, he says to, to the sheep, uh, you know, whatever you did for the least of these, whatever you did to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to, to uh, give something to drink to the thirsty, when you visited those in prison, when you helped those who are sick, you've done for me. Uh, there's a well-known uh, passage in Micah 6, 
uh, verse 8, that has, has a similar answer to the question, what does God want from me? What does God require from me? And that, and that text says uh, to, to, do, uh, to seek justice, to love mercy. That's the inspiration for our Christmas offering project. In a season where we can get caught up in our, our own wish lists, uh, we turn our attention to the God who is born as an infant, who took upon himself the humblest, the most vulnerable of positions. Uh, Pastor Stu, uh, and I don't want to, you can find his message online, but uh, he, he drew our attention in that Matthew 25 text uh, to the day of the Lord, uh, the second coming of Christ. Uh, he mentioned how often we think of the day of the Lord, the second coming. Uh, we, we, can be, we can think of it in terms of judgment and destruction. But the early church looked on the day of the Lord with expectation and hope. Uh, it was the day when God's purposes would be ushered in, when God's purposes for creation for our lives would be fulfilled. And what are those purposes of God? What is the mission of God? Well, it's the reconciliation, the restoration of all things, of all creation, uh, the restoration of, of our lives and our relationship with God. We've been guilty in our evangelical transi- tr- uh, tradition of lacking imagination, I think, of oversimplifying. Uh, we define salvation too narrowly. Uh, we, we, we talk about how we're saved from, uh, you know, God's mission is to save me from the penalty, the guilt of my sins. And, and sometimes the way we, we, we talk about it, it's just an external transaction, uh, a legal transaction that enables us to go to heaven someday but it doesn't really have any tangible effect on our lives in the present, uh, on our relationships, on, on, our, our, on our world. Uh, salvation is much more than a transaction that, that removes some intangible guilt. But, but it encompasses, it includes the restoration of all creation. It includes the, the restoration of, of broken relationships. Uh, it, re, it includes the, the, the restoration of a, a broken world, a, a broken creation. We see the effects of a broken creation as well. Uh, as we uh, heard the prophet's imagination today from Isaiah uh, about uh, those who are former enemies, you know, the lamb and the, and the lion uh, becoming reconciled to one another and, and, and Christ's uh, coming encompasses this, this restoration of creation and the removal of the curse from Genesis where uh, there's no more thorns and briars and pain and suffering and, and, and all those things are, are renewed. Uh, and, and that restoration started with Christ's coming and, and culminates in the second coming. The salvation is sharing in the life of God in, in, the, the, uh, in, in relationship, intimate relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came, to share with us all that is His and all that is God. And so our text for today is the Christ hymn of Philippians 2. Uh, verses 5 to 11, I'll get William to put it up on the, the overhead there, overhead uh, on the screen. Let's read that together. Philippians 2, I'll read it for us. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is God's kind of love. Not clinging to advantages and comfort, but giving them up. Not exploiting a a position of authority and power like we see so many, uh, so, like so many of us do, uh, so many, uh, people in positions of authority and power do, but stepping aside, stepping down, becoming a servant, a lowly slave. I, I think that's what is, was compelling about Nelson Mandela. And of course, uh, we, we lost, uh, lost Nelson Mandela this week, but, uh, Nelson Mandela, that, that was, uh, true of his life as well. Nelson Mandela was, was a lawyer. Uh, yes, uh, certainly as, uh, as a black man in South Africa, uh, he didn't have all the privileges of other classes, but he was, uh, for his, for his class. He was a lawyer. He, he had opportunity to earn a decent living. He could have been comfortable. But he gave that all up. He put that, uh, put that aside to serve the many, to serve the cause. Uh, even after, uh, being imprisoned, uh, there were times while he was in prison that he was offered a deal, you know, we'll set you free, uh, if you're willing to, you know, stop fighting for the cause. And, and Nelson Mandela turned that down and said, no, I, I, I refuse to, to back down. I will not um, stay quiet. I will not stay silent. I'm willing to, I'd rather stay in prison. Uh, There's that self-sacrifice, that that love that says, I care more about the many. I'm willing to give up even my family, even even, uh, a privilege to serve the many. And that's what we look to, that's what we find in this passage in Philippians 2. As I reflected on, on Matthew 25 and, and Philippians 2, I, I had this thought. Uh, Matthew 25, of course, Jesus has that list. You know, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. When you feed the hungry, you do it for me. When you, when you give water to the thirsty, you do it for me. We can flip that one around. We can personalize it because of what Christ has done for us, because of of the truth of this Philippians 2 passage, because Christ took on flesh and, and moved into the neighborhood and came to, to, uh, help us in our condition. We can read that Matthew 25 passage this way. I was hungry and he fed me. I was dying of thirst and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and he invited me in. I was naked and he clothed me. I was sick and he cared for me. I was in prison 
and he came to visit me. And so Jesus commissions us to do exactly what he has done first for us. Uh, the the uh, famous quote of, of the early theolog- church theologians were that Christ has become what we are. He has shared in, in our nature so that we could share in all that he is. We could share in all the blessings, the riches of God. And so now as, as we share with others, uh, we just follow in the example Christ set for us. We, sh- we share with others so that they too can share in the goodness of God's salvation. As we come into this busy season, let's not forget to draw near to the one who has drawn near to us. Uh, I don't have a long message today. I don't have uh, many profound thoughts, but I, but I just wanted to encourage us to, to gather our hearts and minds again to the stable, to gaze upon our humble and helpless King who made Himself weak, who made Himself helpless, who made Himself poor, who made Himself vulnerable, that we might be rich, that we might reign with Him, that we might be strong. Would you join me as as we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, we are humbled as we look to You, as we acknowledge again that You, the Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, who spoke this world into existence with a word, how You set that aside. You didn't abandon us when when we turned our back on You, but You set aside Your uh, authority, Your power, Your privilege, Your comfort to share in our condition to share in our brokenness so that that we could be restored, so that we could be redeemed and rescued. Uh, we, when we consider that, we are humbled because we realize how foreign that is to our nature, how quickly we are to cling to our wish list, our privilege, how uh, eager we are to exploit um, our situation to benefit ourselves. We thank you for that kind of love. We thank you for the privilege we have of sharing in your work, uh, having received your grace and your goodness and your spirit. We are invited to participate in your work. Uh, We eagerly long for a a restored world, a a world where uh, there is no more injustice, where there is no more fighting and, and violence and war. And we pray, Lord, that you'd increase our imagination as we consider the part that we can play here in Calgary, uh, here in Brentwood and in the Northern Hills. Uh, We pray, Lord, thinking very specifically of uh, our neighbors, our loved ones, our workplaces, our homes, our schools. And we pray that the light of Christ that has shone in our hearts would uh, shine in and through us to the dark places of of our community in in the dark uh, uh, corners where where people don't have hope, uh, where they don't see a way out. 
Uh, we do pray for our, our work, our ministry, our church. Would you, would you uh, continue to lead and guide us? 